Hello and welcome to this Tuesday edition of QUT News, Views and Spews. I'm Susan Heatherington and spewing with me today is... I'm Graham Cairns. I'm Leanne Neeby. And I'm Liam Clarkson. Yeah, we've got a very, very packed panel today. We're going to start, I think, with the ongoing saga of the Lady Salento Children's Hospital. Um, Leanne, you are... a regular looker at, at parenting forums on Facebook and so on. This issue is not going away, is it? No, and it seems that in the next couple of weeks, the Queensland government are going to make a decision as to whether or not they change the name to... Something. Which will basically remove the, the name of Lady Salento and... and the comments that I've been seeing basically uh, contradict what the government is saying. They've done this paid survey of over 900 people and apparently the, the majority state, well, we, we think it, it's a, a private hospital. That's why we're very confused. Well, why spend millions and millions of dollars changing the name uh, to something and then wasting money to change it again? Uh, it could be money spent better. With, it's just a waste of resources, I believe. It does seem like a, an inordinate amount of money to spend just on a name change, but if parents are unwilling to take their kids to a hospital because they are confused, isn't that a small price to pay for the, for the health of our kids? Why can't we just add the word public to the name? Uh, I think what, what they're saying is that there's going to be a generation of kids that aren't going to know who Lady Salento was, what her contributions were to the medical industry. I I wonder whether, though, that people actually ask those questions. For for example, um, you know, at, at this, uh, private schools that I've gone to and ones that my son have gone to, there are lots of buildings named after lots of people. There are lots of bridges named after lots of people. And do people actually know who Walter Taylor is of the Walter Taylor Bridge or William Jolly of... Of the William Jolly Bridge. Or Clem Jones. Or Clem Jones of the Tunnel. Um, Well, I think what what the comments are are saying is, well, if we're going to change Lady Salento's name, why don't we change the name on these bridges? Like, why not remove Clem Jones? Because we we don't need to think about, do I have to pay to go across that bridge? Look, I understand why putting the word public in would perhaps make it clearer to to every man and and his his dog or sick child. But it would actually, in terms of changing a name, putting a word in is as expensive as actually just changing the whole lot because you've got to change all of the paperwork, all of the contracts, all of the websites, all of the everything. I think it was a dumb choice to begin with and that's no disrespect, no disrespect to, to Lady Salento. I just think that it does, it's the lady as much as the Salento that makes it sound... Um, like a private hospital, and it, it... well, I completely agree. Why not just have it as the public hospital in the first place? You know, they should have thought about that at the beginning. And I think what what it is is that they're, they're having a lot of cuts to to health anyway. So the government isn't they're, they're cutting jobs in the in the hospitals. Therefore, you know, it's just money that's just been wasted. I have to say, I have the solution to this. Oh, I'm a Republican. Why don't we change the name of all of them and get rid of the Princess Alexandra and the Queen Elizabeth and all of those as well? Oh, that's that's great. We could just all call them a hospital. The hospital. No, yeah, going right. to, going no to, not going to work. To, okay, it's uh, worth a thought. A hospital. Now, um, look, we're not going to solve that today. Um, we can't even agree in here. But um, I think that 
everyone has pretty much agreed that apart from one marriage proposal that Hannah Gadsby stole the Emmys with this very small cameo appearance. This is not normal. Um, <laughs> the, the world's gone a bit crazy. Uh, I mean, for somebody like me, and uh, a nobody from nowhere gets this sweet gig. Free suit, new boots. Uh, just because I don't like men. <laughs> just, <laughs> that, just, that's a joke, of course. Uh, just jokes, fellas, calm down. Um, it's, you know, hashtag not all men, but a lot of them. <laughs> um, no, it's just, it is just jokes, but what are jokes these days? We don't know. Nobody, nobody knows what jokes are. Uh, yeah, not all men, hashtag, but many of them. I like that. Oh, yeah, she's great, isn't she? And look, it's interesting in the in the post-Me Too area or the current Me Too area or wherever ever we are um, that Hannah has got all of this commentary. Um, it's You've got to be so careful, as she rightly says, what is a joke that we've um, all got terribly sensitive. Um, I love the fact that she's a no-one from nowhere, that suddenly the world is discovering our Hannah. She's been funny for a long time. I thought I was going to have to administer Ventolin or perform mouth-to-mouth on Graham here for a, a small moment there, Liam. Yeah, I'm, I actually met her uh, two years ago at the Brisbane Powerhouse back when she was just a little Australian celebrity. Oh, long time ago now. But uh, I just remember her being incredibly nervous and so so kind and, and generous with her time to sign tea towels, incidentally, for a gay couple of, that we knew. Uh, that's another story. Uh, but I hope yeah, they didn't what, wash them or use them on their, you know, their <laughs> washing up. Yeah, and use up the ink. But yeah, what you see on stage is is exactly the person she really is. She really does uh, have all those issues that she talks about, and you can see why she's so um, scarred from her past. Uh, if anyone listening hasn't watched Nanette on Netflix, yeah. do whatever you can to set aside an hour and ten minutes of your time and just watch the thing, and then watch it again and watch it again because you'll learn something every time. It's a fantastic piece of comedy. And the thing about Hannah is that she said that for a long time she made herself the butt of her own own jokes and then she realised that she actually couldn't keep doing that. To, to It's bad enough that the rest of the world is attacking you without you continually a- attacking yourself and somehow giving validity to the, to the haters. So good for her for having that realisation and being prepared to, to stand up to the to the, the kind of crap. Speaking of standing up to crap, um, Federal Parliament last night. Thank you, Mr Speaker. May I first thank the Minister for Health, the Honourable Greg Hunt, for facilitating the continuing funding for one bill in Ulladulla. This is an essential service in my region, providing a range of mental health support services for women and families in particular. One of their mantras is to their clients is, are you okay? Another group which is rarely asked, are you okay, is politicians. So I would ask here that those who feel inspired to be spiteful, angry, insulting and gutless because they're using their keyboards, have a think before pressing the send button. How would you feel if you received the email you're about to send? Politics is a place where if you do not have great resilience, the actions of others can impact on your mental health. Bullying, betrayal and backstabbing have been the hallmarks of one of my state Liberal colleagues, Gareth Ward, over the past six and a half years. In fact, I've endured the trifecta. A sour grapes defeated pre-selection candidate, Andrew Guile, 
the plotting and manipulation of both people and numbers by Gareth, and the reporting by the local editor of Fairfax, which I really see as bias facts, John Hanscom. Between them, I have been misrepresented in all manner of media in a continuing barrage of actions from April 2012. Many people will have heard rumours about my intentions for the election next year. In the first instance, let me make the following plain. Scott Morrison, apart from being the new Prime Minister, is also someone I see as a friend. He is a man of integrity and he's absolutely passionate about the long-term progress and vision for Australia. For that reason alone, I endeavoured to hold my decision in private until after the Wentworth by-election. Unfortunately, that is now not possible. I have asked the Prime Minister to acknowledge the withdrawal of my nomination for the seat of Gilmore. I want to make it abundantly clear my decision has nothing to do with the leadership of Scott. My decision does, however, have everything to do with the New South Wales State Division and their lack of action and the combined undermining actions as outlined by the revenge-motivated trifecta surrounding me locally. It is the State Division level that I have had little or no support during the past six months while waiting for the pre-selection process, which should have been determined before now. On the local scene since the day of winning pre-selection in 2012, the local self-determined senior Liberal has been leaking damaging material to media, having publicity stunts that are completely against federal policy initiatives, <laughs> she and more recently approached Oh, yes. That, and and I've got to say, there's about another uh, three minutes of, of this. Of the bucket tipping. Uh, oh, and, and it's, it's a significant bucket, too. Yes, you can find that full video on abc.net.au. <laughs> I have to say, it's fascinating watching the look of the, uh, the her colleagues who are sitting behind her. The men, all of them, all in, of, in, yeah. in this view, all mm. of them. The nodding of the head of Barnaby, though, he's agreeing about the backstabbing as soon as she said the yeah. backstabbing and the betrayal yeah. and there's a, a few a couple of very stony faced gentlemen just mm. sitting there thinking oh my god the camera will be on me i can't do anything except sit here yeah, yeah. it's it's an interesting dropping of the bucket but it's interesting also, that she did use parliamentary privilege to do it, and those who those mm. have been critical of uh, Peter Dutton's outrageous and appalling uh, attack on uh, uh, Roman uh, Quadvleg mm. last week should also be unhappy about this tipping of the bucket again using parliamentary privilege. It is um, a cheap blow, isn't it? Because you can say what you like without any repercussions say that there's defamation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, um, you kind of, I've, some of these women genuinely feel that they have tried every possible reasonable way of, of drawing attention to some of this behaviour and no one is listening. Mm. And sometimes I think that, you know, you've you've got to use what is available to you. Now, I don't know these people that she was naming and, and shaming, um, but the faceless men in at both sides of politics really need to be called out for what they're doing. Liam? Yeah, I find this whole dynamic at the moment very interesting. Ever since Julia Banks said she was stepping down due to bullying in the Liberal Party and MPs like Craig Kelly came out and said, what bullying? There's yeah. no problem. There's, the Liberal Party does not have a problem with women. No, uh, not no. at all, as we of can see by this well, vision. No, no, but it, I, find it, that, I find this so interesting at the moment because we have Julia Banks and now Anne Sudmalis, who is also saying she's stepping down because of bullying and, and undermining and the like. So what we're seeing at the moment is women in the Liberal Party saying they're being bullied and wanting to leave the Liberal Party, but the Liberal Party says we're going to increase our numbers in Parliament. We're not going to quotas, 
there's, there's no consideration of quotas at all. We're going to get them there on merit. But how exactly do they expect more women to want to join the Liberal Party anyway? And will they be selected purely on merit in, in their application? I don't quite see how this is going to end well for them. I saw an observation in, I think it was the Saturday paper on the weekend, which I thought was remarkably apposite, when it said that the Liberal Party, in fact, does not have a problem with women. The Liberal Party has a problem with men. Yeah. And men who won't accept women. But Anne said that this has been going on for about six and a half years. Mm. So why wait so long to Well, sometimes talk? I think that you think you're the only one or that there's space... Um, isn't safe or that, you know, this idea that politics is a tough business and, you know, that you're just showing weakness. And now, like so many things in the in the Me Too era, that, you know, Harvey Weinstein got away with it for a really long time until somebody said it's not okay. And sometimes it just needs that permission. And then the floodgates open. Yeah, mm. that's true. Yeah. Um, uh, and speaking of dropping buckets, we're going to move seamlessly to dropping, dropping pants. pants. <laughs> um, oh, segway, Susan, segway. Um, Opera Queensland is searching for 200 women to take to the stage naked for a closing scene of Mozart's Don Giovanni. This excites me because this would be the only way I would ever get on stage, um, uh, well, as part of an opera. I don't have the voice for it, but apparently I have the bum. <laughs> the, the thing about this is that you actually don't have to have the voice because, as I understand it, none of these women will be singing. The, the the two leads will continue to sing, as is the case with Don Giovanni. But probably no one's watching. Mm, well, that's, <laughs> therein lies the issue. This is about a seven-minute scene, as I understand it. And for those who are wondering why you would have, in the Me Too era, uh, 200 naked women, it just seems a little prurient. The the story of Don Giovanni is, of course, the story of Don Juan, the, the great seducer. And in Don Giovanni, he is dragged down to hell. Now, that's normally done by a couple of amorphous spirits, but instead, in this case, it will be by 200 of his... Conquests. Of his conquests, those women that he has seduced. Now, not all of them will be naked. Yeah, yeah. You can wear your undies. You can wear your undies, apparently. You can be naked, topless, wearing your undies, uh, whatever you feel comfortable with. Uh, but I'm just wondering whether how many people are going to be listening to the performers and watching the singers when you've got 200 naked women dragging down Don Giovanni down to hell in the uh, final closing scene of an opera. It seems a little, um, well, au Calcutta or hair-esque. Can I also make an observation? This, I presume, will be um, in the Playhouse at QPAC. That is the coldest oh, venue anywhere on the planet. Mm. I need to wear my thermals to go into most of the of the QPAC venues and fear of squirmishness and nakedness um, is almost secondary to my fear of the, some of those bits would fall off. <laughs> it's so bloody cold in yeah. there. And um, at least it's women, not men. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it's not being held in winter, then it should be maybe okay. Oh, no, it, <laughs> in it, January, perhaps? Ev every season in the playhouse is like the Arctic Circle. Yeah. It is so cold. Uh, I, Susan, I, you're the resident theatre expert here. Is, would this be the wackiest thing you've seen on stage or not even close? Um, do you know, I actually paid to watch people have a shower the other night, lots of them in home. Um, yeah, look, I've seen 
a lot of, more so probably in the last year, I've seen more penises on stage um, than I have in, in many years prior to that. Penises seem to be the new norm. Um, I think that I've probably heard the C word more on stage than in anywhere else. It became very fashionable about two or three years ago mm. prior to never having heard C-bombs being being dropped on stage prior to that. Um, I would rather like to go and see Betty Gumble tonight, who's on stage as part of the Brisbane Festival um, in the Theatre Republic here because apparently our sex clown does lip syncing but not with her lips. Um, so, so speaking of um, yeah, new new uh, boundaries. Mm. Um, I, I think I've seen something like that in Amsterdam, but we don't talk about ping pong balls, do we? <laughs> no, no, we don't mention those but at all. What happens in Amsterdam stays in, in Amsterdam. Amsterdam. <laughs> and if you can remember it, you probably weren't there anyway. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah. Although um, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, uses the uh, same motif. Yeah, with I know. ping pong balls. With the ping, ping, the ping yes. pong balls. Yes. Yeah, it, it, it's an oldie but a goldie. And to be honest. I have been into those establishments in Amsterdam and I didn't see a ping pong ball. I was quite disappointed. Oh. Oh, boo-hoo. Sorry, Liam. Sorry. Um, it, it's it's culture, so it's okay. It's on stage. Culture with a capital K, with I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think I'll go now before while I still have a job. Um, thank you, Graham. No worries. Thank you, Leanne. Thank you. Thank you, Liam. Thank you. We'll be spewing again um, tomorrow. Catch you then. Goodbye. Goodbye. 